0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Um, Merry Christmas to all. Uh, not quite a, a little over a week from the last podcast, but, um, we kind of got some <laughs> Christmas hangover going on, tired people in my house. So I was like, eh, I'll jump on. I've got, uh, I've got enough material for, for another episode of the show. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed your holiday, holiday season or are enjoying it. Um, but this is, uh, this is Mike. I'm the host of the Age of Empires podcast. Um, uh, best way to get in touch with me if you have anything about the show, feedback, positive, negative, is to message me on, on the Xbox Messenger. Gamer tag is Kingdom of God, K A N E D O M, space of space God. And, um, let's, uh, Let's jump into it here. Got the um Juvash Cape, kind of historical background, um, and a couple other things to talk about. All right, so um last episode, first one in a while, and I missed maybe um the best part, most important part, is uh what, what have I been drinking while I'm playing Age of Empires. Um So just to kind of walk it back a week, I had a beer called Jam Juice um, from Captain Lawrence Brewing in New York. And that is just pure galaxy hops. They dry hopped it twice, so they put the hops in after the brewing process. Um, And they did that twice with that beer. And it was just galaxy hops, which is kind of, they're not like a super rare hop. But um, for, the, for them to just be standalone is kind of a rare brew, and I absolutely loved it. Big props to Captain Lawrence on that one. Um, if you like juicy, you know, unfiltered IPAs, definitely a beer to check out. Uh, and then the other one was Log Yard, which is from Central PA. Um, show is made in, in Eastern PA. But um, it was called a Cane Style Ale, so I couldn't pass that one up. And um, basically, it's a it's a beer with birch flavoring. It's not at all like not your father's root beer. It's made to be a beer. It just has a little bit of birch flavor in it, which um, is a lighter ale, lighter color. Uh, I liked it. I don't know if it's a beer I'd buy a case of, but I'd buy a four-pack or a six-pack um, pretty frequently, actually. And it's, it's beer a lot of other people, I think, would enjoy. Uh, Like I said, you're probably not gonna drink four in a night. Not gonna drink a case um, in any short amount of time. But overall, it is uh, it is a pretty good beer, and I enjoyed it. Okay, um, getting into this week, I like I say, I'm in Eastern PA. I'm in the Lehigh Valley, so about a million people here. Got some really great breweries in the local area. Um, Shot down to Ardmore, PA. And grabbed um, a present for someone, as well as obviously a present for myself. Um, had their Ghost, which is a big, juicy mango IPA. A lot of mango up front, and then it gets real subtle and in your sips, I guess. Um, like that one. Also, a mango energy drink milkshake seltzer. Uh, um, which I didn't realize it was a seltzer when I bought it actually delicious goes down super easy it's it's they they kind of sweeten out that seltzer taste if that makes any sense because I don't love that Um, didn't think I was gonna like it kind of bought it like more for my wife and uh, ended up really enjoying it Um, again would I want to buy cases of it I don't know would I want to buy a four-pack of it? Definitely. I would I would buy that one again. Um, tired hands right now is all online pre-sale. So if you're if you're in Eastern PA, Ardmore's not too far away, definitely check those guys out. Um, like I said, you gotta buy online before you go. They definitely do the best milkshake IPAs that I've had, which are you know sweeter, not as hoppy. Um, but a brew, a type of brew that you can really easy mess up and ruin for someone. I think theirs are the best. Um, so if you get a chance, tired hands, definitely, um, definitely a brewery in Eastern PA right near Philly that, uh, that I would recommend. Um, and then just a note, cause I know I've said in the past, I want this podcast to be pretty, um, all encompassing for all ages, especially kids. Um, younger people getting into AOE. I know I do talk a lot about beer. Uh, <laughs> but basically, if you're not 21, then um, don't drink unless your parents are there and don't have more than two ever. Um, you know, I, I do drink a decent amount, but I'm not normally could drive, but I don't. Um, you know, thank you, Uber. Uh, or I buy and then I come home and, and then I'll crack two to four beers and that's it. Um, so there's a difference between going out and one of my old bosses always used to say, it's a difference between having two to three beers and, and not being able to stand up. Um, so, you know, if you are 21, these are definitely breweries you should check out. And, um, you know, if you're not you got, you got to wait some time, um, But don't be out there, you know, slugging a bunch of beers so you're puking everywhere because then no one wants to hang out with you, um, to be totally honest. So uh, just kind of a little disclaimer there. All right, so 2v2 World Cup did finish up um, last week. China Team A, which the the internal Chinese tournament – Basically, delayed the start of the original tournament by almost two weeks. There's just so many good teams there, so many good players. But China Team A came out on top, Mystery O and Licks. Um, they beat in the final Norway A, which was MBL and Viper. It's kind of weird because Viper was so dominant for so long that you kind of picture MBL as the weak link on that team. But um, I watched not all the finals, but a decent amount like, early games, Viper was actually a little off. Like, got housed one time. Um, just stuff he doesn't normally do. And then Mr. yo and Lix obviously played a great tournament. Um, and, and Norway A was incredibly dominant until they ran into China. Um, China probably came through a harder bracket. Um, but, you know, Norway A had lost very few games by the time they... I think they lost their first game in the semifinal... And then the third place team was um, Spain A, which was Tato and Lan. So just kind of looking into 2021 Red Bull, um, Red Bull sponsoring a tournament that's about to kick off that anyone can qualify for if you uh, if you make it through the qualifying rounds. I am not trying to do that. If you listen to the show, you know, I'm not a big online player. Um, But. You know, Kind of interesting just that it is open As I guess most of the tournaments are But it's not invite only um, But just as far as 2021 goes I'm looking at a big year from Tato So Tato does a lot of um, Casting Like T90 But he's a much better player um, Tato also broadcasts obviously in, in Spanish Because he's from Spain <clears throat> So I don't watch a ton of his broadcasts I've, uh, I know colors and numbers When it comes to Spanish but um, just kind of since I've been paying a little more attention and, and tracking things a little a little closer, I think he plays really well. He's been finishing a little higher. um I think 2021 could be a big year from Tato, and as good as Viper is, he's always going to be in and around the finals. Uh, I think that just the the gap's been closed a little bit on him. um you know, AOE, they closed the gap a lot quicker than uh say golfers did on Tiger Woods. Um, so I don't know if Viper will be as dominant. I think Tato's going to have a good year. Obviously, Mr. Yo has been playing awesome for years. Um, but so 2v2 did wind up. It was an interesting tournament. Like i said, I don't know if I got, you know, unless you're playing a ton of 2v2 games, how much did you really learn? You know, you kind of see how you can pick different archer, cavs, sieves based on what you're doing. Um, but other than that. You know, the only thing I really saw that stuck out was I think it was a semifinal. Someone actually played with the Franks. Um, so I like the Franks because I like the cheap castles and I like Paladins. So I play with them a decent amount, but they're not a great tournament team. Um, just because they don't have some of the economic boost and stuff that you need. Again, it's like a live person, but against a computer, which is a little slower, um, you know, they, they are a pretty good sieve. So, um, I was happy to see them actually get picked, but, um, yeah, like I said, unless you're playing a ton of 2v2 and you're, you're thinking about, you know, when are we going to sling archer sieves going with what, you know, cav sieves, um, I don't know how much you'd learn versus a, a one-on-one tournament, which I believe the Red Bull one is, um, so I'll keep up on that. They're qualifying now. Um, They're still doing a bunch of ELO tournaments and stuff. There's always something going on, whether it's a big prize pool or not. It has a big sponsor like Microsoft or Red Bull. Always tournaments going on. Um, I haven't jumped on to watch a Jordan game lately, but he broadcasts almost every day. um, And T90's on Twitch like every day putting up content. So, you know, definitely jump on, check that stuff out. Like I said, it's I find it very worth it if I watch you know it's hard for me to sit down and watch stuff live but if I watch like two to three hours of gameplay a week um, I do feel like I benefit a lot so check that out also completed the winter event for AOE 2 um, definitive edition final one was to medal in the Art of War booming campaign which um, I forget what age I've got to level up to forget if it's Imperial or Castle, but you just have to click it. You don't actually have to go through the um, upgrading thing, and you've got to get 100 villagers, which that's a good one. Like for someone like me, who for the longest time, liked 50 to 60 villagers. And then I even said on the show, there's something going on in, in Castle Age where I'm falling behind economically. And it's basically I wasn't building other town centers. Now I'm going at least two, usually three, um, and then sometimes four, but three the most often, four second, two town centers, um, and the least. I'm um, never going with one town center again, and that was kind of it. I've been able to do a lot better on harder difficulties, getting up to a hundred bills when even when I played the computer. Um, you just have to win a game in standard mode as well to complete that challenge, which I liked. Like if you're someone who's only doing easy. You know it's, it's gonna push you a little bit and like to metal and the booming thing. I already had the bronze medal, I got that again. Um, the one hotkey I've found so far that I don't love is the idle villagers, period, which is a right hand click for me. So I gotta take my hand off the mouse. Um, so I probably gotta change that, and then I think I could easily get a silver, um, being able to click on them a little quicker. If you hotkey. You can get a bronze medal pretty easily in that. You're just hitting QA a lot. They'll go build that farm. Um, You know, because you do need a decent amount. You need to get to 100 villagers and you need a decent amount of food. So you're just kind of food and wood, food and wood. You don't, I didn't get attacked at all, um, but food and wood, food and wood. And then you'll, you know, you'll beat that. Um, I forget the time limit. It's not super hard. I'm not that great of a player, but. Um, good stuff there I played a decent amount of games To actually Not a decent amount Say three or four i uh, I'm full random now On my Civ selection Just trying to get better And the other thing I've been doing Is reading early on So like I purposely was MagYars I forget who I went against But they have the uh, They have the extra health on their scout So I got like Basically, two waves of six scouts went down and, and raided someone. I was playing on moderate difficulty. Really jumped out. Was able to really beat them up. Um, so, then I go full random on my sieves And I've said it a couple of times. One of the sieves I want to get better at is Korean. So, I was like, great. I've got the Korean sieve. I was on the ravine map, though. I really wanted them for water. Um, so, I've got no water. And I actually didn't go raid with them because they had the uh the wagon their wagon that comes out of the castle is a pretty sweet kind of like combo artillery cavalry unit um but I didn't go raid I wasn't really focusing on building stables and uh I would have won eventually because but the game could have wiped me out in the castle age they showed the game showed up I forget who I was playing against um what's Civ they showed up with like seriously 25 nights and they only killed one building and ran away, which is just, if I was playing a live person, I had nothing. I had a couple ARBs, um, or crossbowmen at that point. I was a little behind economically. I just got off to a slow start economically. I didn't have berries on that map. And that really is someone who takes advantage of that. I put my mill right next to them and I build my farms from that mill towards my town center um, so I kind of radiate out of those just so that I can garrison quickly if I need to and i didn't have Barry spend a lot of time looking for them, and uh just really got hurt by that was behind economically the whole game. I ended up we had to do something, so I ended up not finishing the game, but had I been playing a live person? Um, they would have wiped me out right as I was upgrading to castle age because they were already in castle showed up with like 25 knights, Then they run away and they just kind of got defensive, which for the difficulty I was on, I was almost kind of wishing they would have squashed me in castle because they definitely could have. Um, so like I said, I could have come back and won, but had I been playing a live person, I would got smoked, absolutely smoked in that game. Um so I was a little bummed out. I've been getting ready and was so excited to see Koreans and, uh, I would have got slaughtered versus uh, any harder difficulty or, or a live person. So I kind of, I was kind of licking my wounds after that one. So then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I never raided early. I never slowed down their economy early. I didn't go out with, I usually build five to six scouts. Um, I've got the you know the scout that you start with i put i usually do self scout after I find the berries and um then I'll call him back and I'll raid with like six to seven scouts and I'm just looking to knock off three villagers, get people garrisoned, forced there. they usually have uh some spearmen, maybe some crossbowmen, force them to chase me around a little bit um you know depending on what civ I am or where I'm at, sometimes my attack just continues as I try to boom. Um, not necessarily boom, but keep growing economy wise and attack them. Uh, sometimes I just keep it up continuously with kind of a trickle of troops, which is a lot of times what you get from the computer, uh, or I'll just do that, go back to kind of my turtle type playing stage and, um, you know, get up to Imperial age, get pretty upgraded and go down and get after them. I did win a game with Slavs, um... Where, And this is just kind of knowing what you're doing. So I start the game. I'm Slavs. I don't know them very well. You know, click on their tech tree. And I see that the only really high-level unit I can get is a champion. I can't get Arbs. I can't get Paladins. And they did have a horse, a cavalry unit, coming out of their castle. So... Keeping that in mind, I focus on my infantry upgrades. I get um a bunch of infantry units on the map, and I support them kind of by mineral deposits, golden stone, by getting to Castle Age, getting some castles up. I did go three town centers, and um I got attacked twice, minimal losses, no buildings destroyed. Um, not that I had great troops. They were slightly ahead of me economically. I think I was playing Ethiopians. And, uh, you know, they, their crossbowmen were better than my, than my infantry, but backed up by Castles, who had the, the accuracy upgrade. I was fine. I was able to drive them off. Um, my infantry was fast enough to knock down a couple rams, and then I started to get the, uh, the cavalry unit out of my castle. Uh, um, there was a ton of gold on the map, so I was able to get a lot of gold. I was pretty dominant in that one, knocked down. Got three three trebs out, knocked down one town center in their castle, and, and they resigned. Um, interesting, I haven't faced any walls, really, from the computer in skirmish, which maybe that's just, you know, I don't play at super high difficulty. I'm not the best player um, in the world. But with raiding early and focusing on at least two, usually three town centers, I've been... Pretty good on moderate against the computer. Um, you know, standard, I'm able to win pretty much every time now, which was not always the case. When I started this podcast, that was not the case. But I'm getting close on moderate. Um, I really honestly I need to work on maintaining rating early and being able to handle kind of non traditional starts. So no berries, nomad. Every time I play a nomad match, I'm I'm so far behind the eight ball. You just get killed economy-wise. And it's hard to catch up, um, which <laughs> maybe that's when you go raid. Put a little more resources into raiding. Because when you think about it, to go raid, it's like 80 food to build a scout, scout cavalry. So to build six of them, you're not talking about a huge investment of food, especially if you're, you know, at that point should be pro- approaching 30, 30 villagers on food, whether it be on farms Um. Or hunting and gathering. Um, so that's kind of where I've really improved lately. More villagers and early raiding. Okay, so as far as AoE 3 goes. Um, like I said, I'm trying to do the historical battles and then do a little bit of a historical context on them. So Chuvas Cape 1582. Um, which is in pr- present day Siberia it was a little hard to find on a map But I found kind of roughly where it's at It's in like the middle of Siberia And so you've got the Russians Who are basically west of this area In the uh, like Ural Mountains, Ural Mountains And this guy, Yermak Timofevich Decides um, He's going to lead several hundred men Which He started with 540 and then later got about 300. So he's right around like 850 um soldiers. I did not get that sense playing in the game. So basically when I play this level, you start out in like two or three little boats. You got to navigate this river where you're getting shot at. They've got towers. Um your Russians versus Tatars. And basically you start kind of on the what I would call western part of the map, you weave your way down to almost the southeast or about the southeast. And then there's kind of a little area you can set up camp. Um, This level, I got some barracks up early, and then I got my fort wagon shipment. And I put that fort wagon at a crossroads just across the river. And basically was able to stymie all the troops coming out of a fort that's all the way on the eastern part of the map. And there's kind of a village um, that's more in the center of the map. Most of the fighting here occurs in the eastern half of the map. So I put my fort way in kind of at the crossroads, which was a little hard to defend. But it can create troops. Um, and it's got artillery defense. So it it does, you know, forts are pretty powerful in this game. And um I did that. Was able to cut down a ton of troops before they ever got to my base. I think I faced like one, what I would call a regiment. I had a falconet shipment by then, knocked them down. Um, took a little bit, but it was a fairly easy level. Um, and basically, you gotta you gotta kind of raid this village and this military outpost. And like I said, I put my fort purposely at a crossroads. Ended up being right in between the two of them which knocked down a ton of attacks and um, got some barracks around it. I was pretty much good to go. But anyway, the river you're on is the Tura River. And basically when these Russians land, they're outnumbered five to one by the Tatars. And sort of the way the game made it sound was that this was a definitive campaign um, to basically kind of control and unite this area because it was like Tatar tribes fighting against each other. And then the kind of the, like, romantic historical deal is that the Russians came in with gunpowder for the first time and kind of dominate the area, took over the area, and unite the area. Um, Present-day city, if you want to check it out, is Tobolsk. I think I'm saying that right. T-O-B-O-L-S-K. Um It was interesting to pull up on Google Maps, some of these areas, because they're, you know, they're cold and they're former um, full on Soviet communist countries. Uh, (laughs) And so, like, if you Google Earth, other parts of the world, like, um, well, if you you Google, like, Jerusalem, Google Earth, Jerusalem, check out, like, Sea of Galilee, um, just Christmas season stuff here. Very beautiful and lots of pictures. Not so much for these cities up in the Siberian mountains. Uh, <laughs> a lot of really square, drab architecture. People aren't taking a ton of tourist photos when they're there. Um, interesting. So, you know, this lot, lot of bloodshed for that part of the world. That um, maybe the the wildlife and everything there beautiful, but the the current cities not so much. It's a little disputed whether or not the Tartars, the Tatars, fought with gunpowder or not. Um, a lot of historians kind of think that they did, uh, even though it's reported that they didn't. That the Russians brought gunpowder to kind of finally stabilize this area. Um, what was interesting is the game kind of spins it that way, but you know it, that's not really what happened. So Khan Kuchum. Um, was in charge of the area, and as he gets beat by Yermak Timofevich, um, it ends the Khanate of Sabir or Siberia. So the kind of the fortified area that the Tatars had was Kashlik, which I believe is the the um, village thereafter in in the um, in the level. So the fort was bad. For whatever reason, they had cannons, but they never fired them, and maybe that's where the lack of gunpowder weapons kind of—I don't want to call it a myth or, or thought—stems from. Um, but the Tatars had cannons, had them in position, and for whatever reason, never fired them. I wasn't able to find like any type of explanation; they just never fired them during the battle. But they fought on the riverbank, which you do um, in the level, and the Tatars did have mostly arrows under the sky. Mamet Kul and they fought against the Russian Cossacks and I guess a lot of these you know farmer soldiers who had mostly bows and arrows had never seen guns and ran away um, even though some of their other tribes that have cannons in the game it kind of comes off as if they're all all the Tatars are united but they're they're kind of more like different warring tribe factions um. So the the Cossacks get, uh, get Concuchem on the run, but they don't pursue him. Um, and a lot of historians view this kind of time period as a lot like the Spanish conquest of the Americas, where as much as these were Spaniards, a lot of times funded by the king and queen, the official state of Spain, uh, their day-to-day actions were not in any way governed by the official state of Spain. They were just kind of making an investment, hoping for a return on the investment and sending people over there. And so it wasn't necessarily any organized, you know, Russian or Tatar state. It was a lot of just individual leaders with their men um, that drove a lot of the conflicts in this part of the area. So our boy uh, Yermak Timofevich does not pursue Khan Kuchum even after, um, you know, his army is is defeated and Mamet uh men run away because they had never seen guns. And so the game kind of makes it sound, like I said, like this definitive, it really wasn't. Um, Khan Kuchum comes back in 1584, two years later, and kills Yermak <laughs> Uh so victory was fleeting um on that day for uh, your Yermak Timofevich. And it it just sounded like as much as they made it in the game sound like this was gonna stabilize on um, the area. The Khanite of Sabir, or current day Siberia, for its warring clans of two thousand years, were you know actually still probably a couple hundred years away from that definitive point. Um I guess it's kind of the a, a decisive battle for technology of gunpowder is why the game kind of chose to spin it that way. Um, even though if if the Tatars had fired their cannons, who knows maybe it's a it's a totally different um, totally different outcome. but interesting one, not as dramatic um, the information available isn't as dramatic and personal as uh, the Gama from last week. But I still thought kind of interesting. Also, like, like again, I'd never heard about this. We don't talk about this in American history um, classes. But it was interesting to me that uh, you know your Mac lasts about two years and then gets killed by all the people he beats in this battle in the supposed definitive, um, you know, uniting battle. So interesting. The level is pretty fun. Uh, I'll give it that. The level's fun. The boat thing makes you feel a lot less men than he probably actually had. Um, but I guess to be outnumbered 5 to 1 they kind of did do it that way. Like I said, I play on a low difficulty, easily defensible base and then that fort wagon as soon as I got that, it was it was it was all she wrote. They uh you weren't fighting against any artillery, so historically accurate that I did not face any artillery on this one. Um so so pretty good you know like i said i enjoyed it i enjoyed the research <laughs> just um you know they could have mentioned this was more about the gunpowder than anything um i felt like after doing the research that should have been uh mentioned a little more you know not a battle just kind of a a change in tactics but um interesting part of the world definitely to learn about even currently um so overall, I enjoyed both the research and the level. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. The Chuvash Cape. And most of that info came just right off Wikipedia. Um, so, if you know, you see a, a book about it. It's going to have more in-depth, more information than uh, anything I just threw out to you. All right. So that's pretty much it. Um, the next level is Sir Francis Drake in the Caribbean, which um, there's a great podcasts called Pirates that um, talks a little bit about that in the earlier episodes. Uh, so I'm gonna I haven't played it yet. Looking forward to both playing it and doing the research. And um, no, that's AOE three. Uh, hoping to get and do some AOE one levels. Um, kind of just with the events going on with the two newer games, I haven't really been getting into AOE one as much. And then, um, you know, certainly will do my best to keep up on the Red Bull tournament in AOE 2. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll play a few games and, and talk about gameplay and stuff like that, too, with AOE 2. But um hope you guys enjoyed it. hope you guys are having a great holiday season. Have a great new year. Um, if you want to reach out to me, best way to do it, Xbox Messenger, Kingdom of God, K-A-N-E-D-O-M, space of space God. And... um Again, happy holidays, and I'll talk to you soon.